Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. This is the Rugby Run. Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall with you through till 2.30. G'day, Marshy. How you doing? Good afternoon, Ricardo. Good afternoon to everyone joining us for uh, the Rugby Run. Uh, I'm doing really well. Uh, I just got home um, this morning from... Uh, the semi-final in Christchurch uh, last night, which has secured uh, Canterbury, obviously, a place in, in the final uh, next weekend against uh, a very fluid and impressive Wellington uh, team at the moment. Um, and what a great season for Bay of Plenty as well. Hell of a good story. Uh, unfortunately, they have bowed out, but uh, really good to see a, a province that is not a superpower, really, of, um, you know, basically franchise-style rugby uh, compete so well uh, throughout the entire competition and equally uh, get through to a semi-final and still play their part in a a semi-final against a very good Canterbury side. Yeah, I thought they they went really well. I mean, how much do you reckon they missed Caleb Trask, though? Uh, Because they left a few points out there earlier, didn't they, particularly in that first half? Yeah, they did. And and that's the danger when you get to knock out rugby, that you you probably go away a little bit from your DNA when you when you lose a key player like Caleb Trask who has been in sensational form for them. Um, that that certainly is always going to have an effect. Uh, but you know I I certainly feel that they still had you know the balance of the side that you know has performed so well throughout the season. So you know you you lose one player but you've got to you've got to plug that hole and certainly think that that didn't cost them the game. I believe that probably when they relook at that. Um, once I've got through probably a week of being on the beers, <laughs> which you tend to do after you've you've, you've had a had a season uh, and and you're you're winding down, uh, they'll probably regret the forty minutes that, that the first forty minutes that they played. I think they went away from what has made them good all year, which has been playing a certain style and playing, you know, I guess with an attitude that you hear a lot of the players talked about after the game, and that attitude is about love, training, and playing in the bay going fishing during the week um you know with the environment we got as a great uh, that we have is a great environment and you know everybody just uh plays accordingly in terms of that like um you know that expressive style of game and, and they went quite defensive last night in that first 40 minutes and didn't accumulate or put Canterbury under enough pressure. So that that would probably be their one regret, I think, out of the entire season. Did you think, I mean, early they, they actually dominated the Canterbury Ford pack at set piece as well yep. a, a, a bit? I mean, that'll be something for, for the Cantabs to be a little bit worried about, given how well the Wellington scrum went. Absolutely. Yeah, they'll look at that, though, Canterbury being the type of outfit that they are, and, the, and they do pride themselves in that area, whether it be the scrum or line out or more defense that that's a big part of uh, their DNA is, is making sure that they have at least parity and usually if not more when when you think of any Canterbury uh, Crusaders side uh, so that they'll be a little bit hurt from the fact they got shoved around particularly in that first half and I thought they lost the breakdown in the first half as well uh, physically and technically I thought they were off and Bay of Plenty were much much better in that area so they'll address that as well uh, but it certainly uh, probably reinforces to me that that a side that was dominating in those two to three areas and had plenty of opportunities to to kick down into the 22 and and, and apply pressure 
in that half with a good scrum and and you know a very good line out. They got some exponents here, you know. Um, Selby Ricketts, mm. no Minow, they went to him a lot. Sangster's very good. Uh, they had great line out um, options with Arcoy as well. So the fact that they they you know tried to kick long range penalty goals and instead of you know going out there and you, you know you've got to win semi finals. You can't sit back and allow the opposition to allow you to win them. You've got to go out and grab the game by the scruff of the neck. So. Yeah, off the back of your point, when when your set piece is going that well, flex your muscles, use it, and and I don't feel that they did, and um, unfortunately that was always going to catch up with them because you know Canterbury were always going to get in at half time and probably get a bit of a telling off, a few chairs kicked around the changing shed, and, and come out slightly different in, in all of those areas in the second half, and you've got to get them when they're vulnerable because Canterbury, Canterbury teams will always adjust. Was this uh, a statement? to the um, All Black selectors as well from Fergus Burke. He was huge, wasn't he? A couple of show-and-go tries, kicked all the points, did everything right. Yeah, it's a good point, Ricardo. I think there was a few players out there that, that were unlucky not to be uh, selected and, and a few players that were probably considered to be lucky. You know, that front row battle was one of them. Mm. Um, you know, the Kurt Eklund, you know, probably one of the unluckiest players to miss out on both uh, the All Blacks and that um, AB's 15. Uh, and I certainly felt that um, he probably had the wood over both of his opponents, albeit I did think that um, George Bell, when he came on, was was very, very good for Canterbury. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a real prospect, and I think that's why he's going. Um, but, you know, uh, certainly Mafaleo as well, you know, that front row of Bay Penny was very, very good. Um, but yeah, then you look at you know where 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 is the future and and why, why did they pick the side that they they did uh, the All Black selectors did they pick it because they wanted to just go win two games? Mm. To me, I think there's a big part of that side that uh, has is showing that in particular they, they, because they've got two tough challenges because they know what they can get out of TJ and Brad, they know what they can get out of Damian McKenzie, they know what they can get out of a lot of players like Billy Harmon, even with the greatest respect. They know the types of players they are. They didn't, you know, go and probably reward some players um, like Eklund, like and, and then equally off the off the same, um, I guess, spinning wheel. Uh, uh, Fergus Burke, who's, you know, who who is the next cab off the the rank after Peter Fetter? Um, you know, is it Damien McKenzie, uh, or do we still need to see see and see where these players? What I'm basically saying is. Putting Fergus Burke in that side, if he is mm. the fourth or fifth best 10 in this country, I prefer them to do that than what they have done in the past with, say, Brett Cameron and have the guy capped for the All Blacks. And it's like, right, but he's never ever played again. He's never ever been in the environment again. And that, that's across the board. They, the All Blacks were very guilty of doing that quite a lot, of giving guys test matches because they couldn't find out any other way if they could step up. And this is a perfect environment for the for them to do that. Yet they've named a lot of players they know a hell of a lot about that aren't young. Yeah, it's not really a development team, is it? It's I mean the fact nah. that Bryce Hemer's in there at thirty three, uh, and that's nothing yeah. against Bryce. I mean he's had a really good season. Yeah. This looks very much yeah. like we need to win next year's World Cup. So everybody that we take to the Northern Hemisphere, regardless of what squad, needs to be able to play in that in that tournament if needed. And, and is that smart, Ricardo? Because What's going to happen is there's going to be a mass exodus, exodus after the Rugby World Cup because of the age of the All, the, the, the all Black squad at the moment. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, you need to find out about guys like Fabian Holland. 
because there won't be any white lock and there won't be any retallic. It's as simple as that. You know what you're going to get out of Scott Barrett, um, but, you know, is that from the blind side of lock? But is there any harm in taking him away instead of Patrick Tuipulotu, who they know everything about? Yeah. You know, like, and, and I just wonder whether or not they probably got out of this side what they really required, which was stepping stone to are these guys uh, what we are looking for? And equally, do we have to give out test caps to find out if that answer to that is no? Yeah. And and I certainly don't feel that we should be going down that pathway. No, and I and I think that's probably something that we haven't had for a long time is this All Black development team or All Black 15, whatever you want to call it. And it I mean, it needs yeah. to not just be a World Cup year thing, though. It needs to be something they invest in every year to bring that next tier through. Um, rather, 100% agree. Know, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and because of the lack of uh, under-20s rugby recently because of COVID, you know, there's been a little bit of a a, a gap in, in our progression. And I love it because that's how I was basically looked into to, to get an opportunity to be seen to make my next step to the All Blacks. I went on the 1994, basically, All Blacks. Well, I think we were called New Zealand A or I can't remember how we were called. We went to Argentina. Uh, I've spoken about this before, and mm. was basically all the All Blacks reserves or guys were just out of the the 21 players at that stage. It was uh, with Laurie Mains overseeing it, but not coaching the tour. And it was, I think, it was called a New Zealand Development Team actually. And yeah, it was a brilliant opportunity to test yourself, but to walk in the footsteps of All Blacks for me as a youngster. I was only 20 at the time, uh, and, and yeah, I think absolutely we need to have games and teams like this in our calendar a lot more. This text through on double eight double three from Ken. Hey, Ricardo and Justin, my boys turned in a shocker on Friday, but Wellington were brilliant and Bayer plenty played well. Also, not sure on some of those Canterbury Fords named in that All Black eleven. but anyway, well done, Canterbury. Should be a great final. Cheers from Ken. Uh, TJ, um, I know you would have watched uh, that game and you called the Canterbury game, um, but as a Harbour fan, you must be kind of, or somebody who has Harbour allegiances, should we say, and you must be feeling a little bit like Auckland left it all out there in that game and then didn't turn up for the semi-final, which was a bit disappointing. Yeah, Harbour rate payer. Um, <laughs> good afternoon, fellas. How are you? Good, mate. Um, yourself? Yeah, good, good. Um, yeah, the, the, but it's sort of kind of reflective of Auckland's season, really. They've been a bit flaky. Um, at times, they've been really good, and then they've come up short at other times. Um, and in the end, they were just outplayed. I, look, there's something really compelling about Wellington at the moment. I think we're going to have a great final. Um, Wellington at the moment are just full steam ahead. They're playing with so much confidence. I think it's the best balanced Wellington team that I've seen for a long time. You've got the veritable mix of you've got some old heads in there, the likes of Pet Cow and um, uh, Dominic Bird, I, I guess you'd almost put Julian Savia in that category as well, uh, Jackson Garden Bassett, and you've got some astonishing young talent as well, confident young talent, you know, Reuben Love, uh, Peter Luckey, who's just been liked out. Um, so to me, it, it, you know, Wellington just overpowered them, and, and Canada, uh, sorry, Auckland just didn't have any answers. Hey, TJ, thanks for joining us today, mate. I know it's a travel day for you and a Sunday, and um, I hope you managed to seek out that glass of red wine that you're so feverishly <laughs> looking for, for the last time I saw you last night but um 
you, you spoke last night in the commentary about uh, the game in 2000. Uh, Wellington, and it's not a happy hunting ground historically for them, is it? Do you think that they can mentally, because they're quite a young side with a young captain, get through and pass that to try and go down to Canterbury and win a final? Yeah, I think I think they're capable of it, Marshy. Um, and the answer, by the way, is yes, um, I did. Um, but, but yeah, I think they are. And what I is it, what I like about them is that they're just playing with uh, bravado, real real confidence, and that's what you need. And I think the last two weeks we've seen signs. We've seen teams go down uh, Northland, although uh, you know they they were beaten in the end. But I think there were times where you know they were really taking it. Uh, to, um, you know, they were taking it to Canterbury. And last night we saw Bay of Plenty, even though they, they kind of fired blanks for, for a while. They defended really well in the first half, but really fired blanks on attack, missed a couple of shots at goal, which might have, you know, been useful. But they came back at them as well. And it really took a, a, a brilliant piece of play by uh, Rameka Poihipi to, to change the flow of the game around. So I, I just think this, this is a, a Wellington team that will see that uh, Canterbury, if they can... You know, have a go at them and, and get something going up front. Uh, if they can get some momentum going, they they would be a very, very hard team to defend. Do you think in a way, TJ, the fact that it is a young Wellington team, they don't have any of that emotional baggage maybe some older Wellington players do have, so they don't have that hanging on them? Well, I know a lot of Wellington rugby fans have got a lot of emotional baggage about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Marsh, you'd be able to tell you more about that sort of thing than me. By, by the way, uh, just looking back, we were um, talking about that final just very briefly last night. Back in 2000, it was. And it was one of the best finals there's ever been. And the key to it was, um, and Marshy, um, you, you were struggling to recall whether or not you played in the game. I can, I can <laughs> tell you that you did. And, okay. and I, the, the key to the game was the way Wellington started. And, and there was a certain Jonah Lomu who just was on fire and, and got them off to a great start. And I think that'll be the key to it. If, if Wellington can, you know, get off to a good start, get their game going uh, and, and, and start playing with the sort of just rip and bust confidence that they've been playing the last few weeks, uh, then I, I think it's got the makings of a classic final. I, I still think, obviously, um, Canterbury at home and let's hope they get a good crowd. Uh, they've got to be favourites, but but to me, um, you know, Wellington, they they're a shot at this. Obviously, I wasn't the key to that game in two thousand. I've got that well and truly now. Thanks for that. I'll, 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 <laughs> the memories are coming flooding back. <laughs> hey, let's let, let's while we can um, just before we want to move on because we want to chat to you about this All Blacks fifteen. But just briefly. Well, what, what um, has, you know, when you look at the, the, the competition in general, there's been a lot of chat, and I know you've commented about it before, so I won't ask you again about the evens and odds thing, but in terms of the rest of the, the mobs uh, that, that have made up this this competition, well, who's impressed you? And, and also Tasman, probably not the season that you were expecting out of them as well? Yeah, um, I'm just starting to think I might have put the hex on Tasman. I actually went down and fronted at their uh, their season launch, and I think maybe that sealed their fate. Uh, maybe it's my fault. Uh, oh, look, they <laughs> changed the coaching staff. They did, and it, look, it's not really an excuse in this day and age because teams are supposed to have depth, but they did have a, a really bad run of injuries, and of course their success meant they've, they've lost more players than ever to the All Blacks. So they, they just weren't there um, 
they weren't good enough this year, and they'll bounce back from that, I'm sure, because they've got too good of an organisation not to. But I just love the way, uh, to me, one of the teams that um, really lit this competition up was Northland. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're doing some great things in Northland rugby. They've got a really good leadership up there, good administration, and some really good personalities driving the game. They put together a good team. Uh, and again, you know, some exciting youngsters, but good to see that, you know, the likes of Rennie Ranger turning out still and just his presence must mean something. So I thought they were a team uh, that really contributed. They had a really good win over Auckland. I thought they had plenty. Um, they, had a, they had a great run too. Um, okay, they came up a bit short um, in, in the semi-final, but I thought they um, certainly have contributed. They played some terrific rugby. Wellington, as I say, uh, they've had a, a, a great season on a really good run of form. And, of course, you know, Canterbury, long since been a, a standard setter. So they, they were some of the teams that really stood out for me. Um, and But in the end, you know, I, I, what a season Wellington. They win the Ranfurly Shield and, and a shot at winning the final. Uh, you know, it could turn out to be a great year for them. It could be. It really could be, uh, TJ. I mean, that... You mentioned Jonah before. It looks like uh, Wellington have unearthed another great winger too in this kid, uh, Osofa Almoa. Uh, that third try for Wellington, mate, he, he looked like a winger all day, didn't he? How, how far did he go? About 30 yards of the ball? Absolutely screamed in. Yeah, I mean, he, he's always been a, an eye-catching player, hasn't he? Uh, and, you know, that, that's where he's best when, you know, you get him into a little bit of space. He's hellishly hard to, to stop. I mean, there are still obviously areas of their game that they they want to work on. Um, but you, you'd have to think. Although there's there's quite a good crop of young hookers coming through. I've been really impressed. George Bell came off the bench last night and the first movement they had, he handled the ball about four or five times in it. So there's plenty of challenges around and uh, it seems like they want to hang on to Cody Taylor and Dane Coles through the World Cup because of their vast experience next year. But there's a real crop of young hookers led, of course, by Samasoni Tokiaho. Um, really just to kind of step into the breach that those two have dominated um, for the last five or six years. Well, well, speaking about that, TJ, and obviously looking at our development and then our future, the, the naming of this uh, All Blacks 15, uh, what did you make of it? Uh, do you think that they're playing enough games? And what did you make of the, the selection process and the players that are going? I'm not sure I know what I make of it, Marshy. Um, is it a, you know, first of all, I'm not all that keen on it being called the All Blacks 15. I know that they have, uh, you know, commercial imperatives and whatever, and they've got to keep the brand out there. But to me, it's it's not an All Black side, and I, I personally mm. don't think it should be called that. Uh, to me, it looks like a New Zealand Barbarians team, mm. just the way it's made up, because, yes, you've got the young talent that you want to see going away on a development tour, but they've also got uh, quite a few older players as well, and look, there's nothing wrong with having the experience of, say, you know, TJ Pedernata there uh, to, to lead the side, uh, or, you know, rub off all the things that he's learned over the years. Um, but, you know, Bryson, you look, he's had a great year. Um, and he's a terrific player, great bloke in, in that. And I'm not um, knocking but he, He's 33 years of age. And, and I, 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 it's just an interesting selection to me. It, it, it asks the question... Um, you know, what? what is this team supposed to be about? Um, and, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just sort of not quite sure. And the other thing, it's a hell of a long way to go to play just two games. Now, you'll remember, Marshy, back in, uh, going back to 2000, uh, there was an all-black yep. tour. 
And at the same time as the All Blacks were playing mainly in France, I think there was Japan and then France for a couple of games and one in Italy, there was a New Zealand A team over there. It just happened to mm. be under the leadership of uh, Darren Chan, manager, uh, and Robbie Deans and, and Steve Hansen, uh, while they were still good buddies uh, c- coaching the team. And that launched a whole bunch of uh, careers. You know, Mills Mulliaina, uh, Jerry Collins, Chris Jack, players like that. Um, and, you know, it really served a purpose. But they played four games. These guys are going all the way over there to only play two. Um, and you wonder what, what, you know, can be achieved by that. Island A and the Barbarians are playing. It, but it would have been great to see a, a couple more uh, games added on to that. And I also think, too, I just think there's some, some players desperately unlucky not to have been included. We talked about Kurt Eklund last night. Uh, Manaki Selby Rickett is another one. Sean Stevenson's another one. And poor old Peter Gasor Kula, who early on in the year was a test all black, and now he can't make either of these sides. Very valid points, and I agree with you on all of them. Do you? Here's one for you then. Do, do you feel that the All Black sh- selectors should have had the influence they had in this side? Would it have been different if Leon McDonald uh, and his coaching crew, uh, Clayton McMillan, um, w- were able to shape this team, pick this side on what they see from their perspective, where possibly our future is, what sort of side that they would like to take over to that part of the world and a game plan that they'd like to implement uh, to, to win these games? Do you think it would have been a much different looking side because this is basically a, a team the All Black selectors have picked or coaches. Yeah, I, I might I might do the old Cess Blazy here and say, well, that is a hypothetical situation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> try and duck it. I might duck it. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you look at eight Canterbury forwards in the mix, Marshy. You'd have to think that uh, Jace Ryan had a had a, had a wee yeah, bit of influence yeah. on the selection. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're I right. Mean, I, I, you know, to me, if you, if if you're in charge of coaching a team, like, you know, why wouldn't you be allowed to select it as well? I mean, I know why mm. they'll they'll want to have certain players in the mix. And the other thing too is that if they if they have injuries, and I mean, you know, they've only got 35 players on this all black team, so you know, if they get an injury, what do they do? Do they call in someone from this team, or do they just try and guts it out with 34, as Nisbo once said. Um, so I know, for example, in 2000, I think Dion Waller got called out of that, uh, that uh, what was called the New Zealand A team, which is probably a more appropriate tag, and he, he got called into the All Blacks. So there might be a bit of that comes into the thinking as well. There might be a bit of messaging to some of these guys. Look, you're not in the All Blacks, but we, we, we still really like what you bring. And so we've put you in this team, even though you might be around the age of you know, 30, 31, that sort of thing. Uh, so there, there might be some of that thinking in it as well. Um, but as I say, it, it, for me, it's just quite hard to put my finger on what exactly this team is supposed to be. Yeah, you're right, TJ. I mean, I look at it and think it's not really a development team because you've got people like Bryce Heeman, TJ, and, and, and things in there. Um, it feels like it's just a, we need that, ex, that next year of players to have some games uh, before the World Cup, and that's what we're going to do. Um, if, yeah. if that is the case, who, who's the unluckiest not to be going? Um, well, I, I think you know, we, we talked about it last night. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly wasn't firing a shot at the guys who have been selected. Uh, and one of whom, or two of whom, were playing last night, uh, Brodie McAllister and 
uh, George Bell. But as I say, I, to, to me, what else could Kurt Eklund have done this year to, to get selected in one of these teams? I mean, to me, he's actually, I would have had him close to the, the All Black side. Uh, he had a really, really good Super Rugby campaign with the Blues. He's been terrific for Bay of Plenty. He plays like a loose forward, carries the ball really well. He was the most accurate line-out thrower in that game last night in tricky conditions. So to me, he's the most unlucky. But there's another one, and, and uh, look, I've always been a bit of a fan of the kid, um, um, and so I might be a little bit biased here. But to me, Sean Stevenson, um, they haven't really picked a specialist fullback in this side. Uh, to, to me, I, I think on the form that he's shown in, in super, in the, sorry, in the NPC, does, does that mean nothing? Because he, he has been quite brilliant. Do you think it's because he showed up in a Redcliffe Dolphins t-shirt uh, at training? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well, I was going to say, that, that that's one that won't go away now because he hasn't been picked in the mm, team. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, who knows? But, but uh, as I say, I, I, that's just a personal thing. Um, look, the, the, the interesting thing is there could well be another, a, a couple of changes. I'm not sure that uh, Angus Tartavell, what, what uh, his injury status is, but I I do understand that uh, Tavita Mafileo, who, who played very well for Bay of Plenty last night, that he might be kind of on standby. And I'm not sure about how um, Bryn Gatland, uh, he took quite a heavy blow uh, playing for North Harbour. So there, there might yet be a change. Uh, there might be a chance for someone like Stevenson to, to come into in, into that team um, as well, if, if there are a couple of late late changes. But just getting back to the point, I, you know, I, I just singled out Bryce Team. To me, he's had a terrific year. He's been outstanding for the Blues and for Auckland. Uh, he's been a great servant. He's played uh, sevens for New Zealand. Uh, and he and Almoura, thirty three and twenty eight, are are they seen genuinely as All Black prospects, uh, or, or or do they just want their their experience there? That, that, that was the point that I was making about them, which, you know, as I say, I'd quite like to have a, uh, to hear someone sort of explain to me what, what it is that they are trying to achieve with this, this selection. Um, but look, you know, good luck to them. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity. And, and for these, you know, players that I've just been mentioning, and, and he's one of them, it, it is a reward for great form. Hey, TJ, um, thanks very much for coming on, mate. I, I really appreciate you giving us some time. I'm looking forward to this end-of-year tour and see what we do see out of it. Uh, so, you know, thanks again. And uh, maybe, maybe if Bryn Gatlin doesn't make it, Fergus Burke did enough in that semi-final to, to, to submit well, his place. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, that's the other name that, uh, you know, he, he, he's, had a, he's had a very good season. But, you know, I, look, before we get on the tour, I think we've got a really great weekend of rugby to look forward to, as, you know, as well as the Women's World Cup. There's, there's some terrific stuff. That, it's a great weekend next weekend because I think we've got, uh, we've got finals um, in, well, both, in both islands, in, in the heartland. I think uh, there's uh, Ruatoria, there's a game there as well. So, you know, it, it, it's the end of what, what I think has been a, a really good uh, you know, a domestic competition, NPC and Heartland. So let's hope we get rugby to match, you know, what it's been like, you know, all the way through. Definitely, definitely. Good stuff, TJ. Go enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon, mate. Enjoy that Black Ferns game, eh? Okay, guys. Cheers. Tony Johnson there with us. Uh, I just wanted to quickly get a reaction from you, though, Marshy. Um, I know I don't know if you w- would have seen it, but the fact that Natipuro East Coast last year snapped a New Zealand record losing streak, and then this year... Have made the Lahore Cup final. They're going to host it. That is a massive turnaround. 
Oh, it certainly is. And I think probably in the last decade, uh, you'd have to say, regardless of having bad seasons or good seasons like they've had uh, this year, they're kind of a a big success story. You know, the the, the entertainment um, sort of team of of provincial rugby, you know, they've just got such a great following. Uh, They've had some former All Blacks uh, turn out in their colours. And I I think, you know, it it epitomises basically really what uh, grassroots rugby in New Zealand is all about. And when the team can be successful and, um, you know, uh, host semis and finals at home, it only reinforces that the, the, the greater good of the game is actually winning. And, um, yeah, to, to have a massive turnaround like that uh, is absolutely brilliant. Well, one, that'll be one hell of a game. My goodness gracious me, it will be. Yeah, be fantastic how they go head-to-head with Mid-Canterbury next weekend. You mentioned George Bridge, of course. Uh, he's uh, now should, should forever be known as Montpellier's George Bridge. Um, he, he is off a good yeah. honour, mate. Um, he, you know, he's had a, a bit rough. I mean, I know he was kind of a fringe All Black, but then this season in Super Rugby gone, he hardly got a look in for the Crusaders either. Um, was it anything he's done, or do you think it's just that they had better options? I don't think it's anything George Bridge has done. Uh, he's been a victim of circumstances, unfortunately, uh, because of the emergence of Lester Fyinganuku at the Crusaders, uh, who basically took his spot. Um, he, he had some opportunities when they were experimenting with Fyinganuku at centre. But uh, post the, that little experiment and obviously them getting players back like Jack Goodhue into the mix, the Crusaders then... Uh, really needed to select Fyinganuku because he was in such good a form. Um, and, and and because of that, George Bridge, um, you know, he, he became a bench player and, and at times not even out on the field. And, and when you're not playing Super Rugby week in, week out, uh, you lose your rhythm and you lose your momentum. And then you get thrown an opportunity out of nowhere. And uh, and the guy that you're trying to sort of beat out of the jerseys in sensational form, uh, it's, it's very difficult to try and, you know, uh, do something quite spectacular or have consistently a couple of unbelievable games to try and change the coach's mindset uh, because he's a different type of player uh, than, than what Fyinganuku is and he's a different player than what Sevu Reese is. Um, so, look, I, I, would George Bridge be going to Montpellier uh, if he was playing for the Highlanders? Um, would he still be in the All Blacks if he was playing for... Uh, say the Highlanders, who were a bit bit short in their outside backs, and, mm. and there's, there, there was an opportunity maybe for him to go there. Possibly not. Would we still have been seeing the best out of him because he's still a high-quality player? Yeah. But unfortunately, this is the problem with that Canterbury system, that they have a lot of players that could probably command starts across the rest of the country that don't often even get on the bench. Um and and I think that's the problem that that's been the issue with George Bridge. He obviously would have had, when it became aware that he was looking to move on from the Crusaders, options to go uh, within New Zealand to other franchises. But I think he's then probably looking at the fact that uh, you know he could command a hell of a lot more money now that he's not an All Black, which would have made up a big part of his salary in the last two to three years. That's no longer there by going further afield. Yeah, it's interesting. I talked to him on Friday and asked him that. Asked him about you know the Highlanders. Sure, you know you surely you'd walk into that team, or even I, I'd heard uh, Stephen Donald mention the Chiefs had had chats to him. But I, yeah. what does it say to you about the Crusaders 
uh, environment and that Crusaders culture. When you know his reply, and I, I can't remember it word for word, was basically, "If I didn't, if I couldn't play for the Crusaders, I didn't want to play for anyone." Well, that that's stereotypical of the way that the Crusaders um, create that culture. And I tell you what, it was a hell of a big um, crowbar that they had to find or basically probably get somebody to make to 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 get underneath Luke Romano to make him move. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, quite possibly four to five years ago, he should have moved on because you know. The, the, but he was he he just loved that environment and he couldn't see himself anywhere else. Um, I think the fact that he had a former Crusader, uh, a former Crusader coach as well, approach him and, and, and say to him, hey, you can you can play week to week with me. And um, hey, it, it's not it's not too bad out there with what I'm creating. Um, you, you'll still be able to go hunting, mate. You'll still be able to do the things you love to do. But yet you'll find yourself playing more footy. But it took a lot to move him. And, and I think someone like George Bridge is the same. Uh, I guess the other side of it is if I look back to my my career, um, the, the other side of it is you, you taste, and you're very lucky to taste, quite a significant amount of success in that environment. Uh, and so you, you consider to yourself, you know, what am I going for? You know, why am I moving to another New Zealand franchise to win a Super Rugby title? Well, I've actually done that five or six times um you know so is that going to reinvigorate me or are the challenges and the opportunities to play in the heineken cup uh to play in the south of france to experience playing you know a, a different style and type of rugby on on fields that i've never played on before you know all of all of that comes into the mix mm. that was very much my mindset um that wasn't that I didn't was I was stubborn enough or or too arrogant to go play for another New Zealand franchise? It was like, well, are they going to give me anything more than what I've already been given at the Crusaders, or do I want to go and experience something that's going to keep me playing, keep me wanting to put the boots on and go and train and play? I think that's probably a big part of what George Bridge um, sort of considered uh, and and what he's ultimately come up with in, to, in terms of keeping him in the game more and keeping his longevity. It was funny you mentioned about Luke Romano because I, I, I interviewed Luke during the Super Rugby season for the Blues show that I was doing and uh, I brought mm-hmm. it up with him that after the first game against the Crusaders in Christchurch, he was interviewed post-match and referred to the Blues as they. Uh, <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's, a, it's a hard habit to break. It's a hard habit to break. It is. You know? Yeah, yeah. Particularly for somebody that... Um, you know, has just bled for that jersey and tasted so much success, and uh, and just loves loves that team. But uh, hey, I tell you what, there was probably quite a few players, coaches, administrators, and supporters that were happy to see him in the Blues jerseys this year because he he didn't change the style and the way that he plays, did he? He was outstanding for them. The rugby run, Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you. And Marshall, we've had a text through from Mike on double eight double three. He said, it's been a vintage NPC comp. The Canterbury t- talent development is to the fore again. Some serious uh, new talent emerging. But just out of interest, who would you drop from that all-black selection 15 to make room for Sean Stevenson in the back line? Oh, wow. Good question. Uh, look, absolutely, I think, Sean Stevenson's been one of the standout players, not only in, in the NPC, but also uh, in Super Rugby this year. Uh, so he's he's one of those 
enigma players that can play on the wing, can play at fullback. He's quite versatile. He can slot in at 10. So you would have to look at that side and think, well, who, who plays um, multiple positions in that All Blacks 15 that we know enough about um, that we could probably sacrifice and, and, and see whether or not Sean Stevenson's got the, the capability of stepping up. And believe it or not, that would probably be someone like Damien McKenzie. Um, mm. And and people would be going, what, what? You get rid of McKenzie? You get rid of... But we know what Damien McKenzie offers. He's, he's an All Black. He can play uh, fullback for the All Blacks. He can play 10 for the All Blacks. So really just getting him over there, I think, has just given him more rugby off the back of Japan. But if you wanted to retain Sean Stevenson and, and get rid of that, uh, I guess, that league cloud hanging over and above him and and say, you know, we, we're interested. Uh, we want to send you on this team. That, that's probably one player that you could sacrifice because you know what you're going to get from Damien McKenzie. And, um, you know, I certainly feel that that, that that won't change, you know, and uh, he, he's quite established. So that's where I'd go with that. Yeah, it's interesting because um, you've also got Ruben Love in this team, but he's listed as an outside back. But we know Ruben Love can mm. play 10. So, I mean, he could play, be that guy that covers. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. And Bryn Gatlin, it would be great to see him get the opportunity, you know. So, uh, again, that offers up the equation of whereabouts. Um, it looked to me when you saw the team written down on paper, but that sometimes doesn't mean anything, uh, that he was listed as a 10, McKenzie. So, um, you know, again, what are you getting out of that? Do you think you're better to, to be um, giving Bryn Gatlin or Ruben Love or somebody else an opportunity in that jersey? You know, the other part of the conundrum is, you know, they, they probably want some experience out there. Um, and, and neither of those three players, uh, apart from Bryn Gatman, who's been around for quite a while, probably offer them that big game experience. So, you know, that's probably in their thinking as well, which does count a little bit against Sean Stevenson, although he has had quite a few um, amount of time in games with the New Zealand Māori. Yeah, I mean, he was outstanding in that uh, All Black uh, Māori All Black team against Ireland this season, wasn't yeah. he? Uh, a couple of other texts that yeah. have come through. Hey, Justin, why do you think Foster won't play Jordan at fullback? Both Barrett brothers have failed to impress the season in that position. Why is he so stubborn? Gee, I tell you what, the questions that are coming in are very good ones. Uh, it's another valid point. And um, look, I, I'm not quite sure why he feels that uh, he, he isn't, isn't able to play Will Jordan at fullback, apart from the fact he doesn't have enough faith in anyone else to play on the right wing. That's the only thought process that I can bring into it because I certainly feel that Will Jordan is a much, much more dangerous uh, rugby player when he is coming from the back with depth, with better vision. You know, I've, I've said this before that when when you play on the wing, yes, you get licensed to roam, but that comes from a flat aspect on attack. So, yes, you can take a couple of metres, but in general, when a team's attacking, your vision is limited to much more lateral. Whereas when you come from fullback, you're seeing more of the field in front of you. And it's very easy to describe, isn't it? Because just throw the guy back 15 metres and you can see the entire width of the field. But where when you're flat two metres back from the back line, where wingers are and where they sit when you're in your attacking shape, it's much harder. And Will Jordan just, he, he's, an he's a really good instinctive rugby player gets himself in the right positions, get good he runs good support lines and he does that best from fullback. That's the only way that I the, the only the only reason that I can come up with is he doesn't trust anyone else as much as he does, even though he's probably 
not getting the best out of Will Jordan to play right wing. Uh, and someone else has also texted and asking about Tom Christie, saying he was massive last night. Can't believe he's missed it. Uh, will he be the next overseas? I mean, he's only 24, so I think he'd probably bide his time a couple of years yet. Yeah, well, the Crusaders, you know, when they lose Black, someone like Blackadder, they, they, they do look a bit thin in the loose forwards. So I would imagine that they are looking to offer him a good contract and keep him around to stop that from happening. Um, and even regardless of where the All Blacks are sitting at the moment, I think that he certainly has enough uh, firepower to command a good contract to, to stick around. And other franchises would want him as well. So, yeah, I think, again, he's probably just the victim, once again, of the, the trend of where the loose forwards shape, size are going at the moment. That doesn't mean he can't get there. Uh, Ken has also messaged through, says, uh, don't forget Zahn Sullivan. He would have made this uh, All Black 15 except yeah. for injury, and he'll be very close to the squ- uh, to the Cup squad next season. I know Joe Schmidt is a big fan of his. I guess that highlights another reason for Sean Stevenson to maybe look at other options, given Geordie's in front of him probably. Bowden's obviously played there. Will Jordan's another option. Mackenzie's back, and then you've got guys like Zahn Sullivan coming through. It's interesting about Zahn Sullivan. I take your point, Ken. Um, absolutely. And again, another guy that's had a great season and unfortunately we haven't seen a full season out of him, which would have been brilliant and he could have forced for that side. But I don't. I see him very similar to Sean Stevenson in the way he plays. Mm. Uh, he, he kicks a lot more um, and, and has probably got a, a, a better kicking strategy coming from the backfield than Sean Stevenson, but he's probably not got that slight X factor, that footwork that Stevenson has. But I would imagine that if it boiled down to it and he was fit, uh, it, it would be a situation where they that, those two were like for like and were, were basically going for the same spot, which means uh, you know that um, if they were going to be considered, both of them, that someone else in the mix would probably be missing out. Probably someone like Bryce Hing, yeah. um, who again, I know enough about uh, and, and the age that he is, but they obviously haven't gone down that pathway for either... Well, obviously... Um, Sullivan's not fit and available, but for Stevenson. So if he's going to be in the frame, I think he'd be in the same frame and mindset as Sullivan, uh, Stevenson. Yeah, and I know Zahn Sullivan, He, uh, I, I talked to him during the Super season as well, and he, he sees himself very much as a 10, um, So, which is interesting, because uh, that's where he played all the wow. schoolboy footy. Yeah, and, and a big concern is um, the amount of time that a lot of our players that feel that they are a 10 are playing out of position. Look mm. at Peter Feta, yeah. you know, um, with the Blues. You know, like a lot of these guys are not getting the time that they need in the right jersey if that's their jersey. And McKenzie's another prime example of that. Yeah, he is indeed. Hey, this has been the Rugby Run on SENZ. Marshy, thanks for your time, mate. Go well. Enjoy your afternoon. I will. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy your afternoon of sport. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.